as we look to uh, the birth of Jesus, you know, we, 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 we pray, and I, and I pray all of us, and every time we remember the coming of Jesus, we will experience a greater measure or degree of His presence, of His reality in us. When we are faced with challenges in life, what do, what do we do with them? Have you ever heard of this phrase called anger management? In fact, there was a, there was a movie, isn't it? Huh? Anger management, right? Anger management. But why do you want to be the manager of anger? Huh? <laughs> we want to be manager of something good, isn't it? We don't want to be manager of our struggles. But I want, to say, I want to suggest to us that a lot of people, when they are faced with challenges and uh, overwhelming challenges, um, you know, that is beyond them, uh, they will just try to manage it, keep it under control, right? Keep it under control. But today we want to look at these questions. Are you a manager of your circumstance? Are you a manager of the challenges in life? Or are you an overcomer? Which one is better? Overcomer is better, of course, right? I don't want to, you know, every time be, just be manager of uh, the challenges. Managing challenges or overcoming them. Let's look at one of the biblical characters of this guy called Jacob. Genesis chapter 32, verse 1 to 3. Now, Jacob, Jacob, uh, his name, what does his name mean? Uh? Uh, don't want to encourage and don't want to discourage any one of us who, who call our children Jacob or whose name Jacob. Now, Jacob is, is, uh, is it means supplanter. Supplanter, schemer, tricksters, swindler. So when we call somebody Jacob, we are calling him supplanter. You know, those who, those who stab people at the back. Schemer, trickster, and swindler, swindler, you know, chin wong, chin wong, chin yan go, chin wong, swindler. That is what Jacob means, right? So, Jacob, when he was born into this world, since the day before, even he, you know, since he was even in his mother's womb, he was already struggling. Remember, remember when he was born, he was, uh, he was holding on to his elder brother Esau's heel. He was coming up, holding it, said, come up, come up, let, let me come up, let me come He was struggling even when given, was even in his mother. All through his life, he was struggling. He was struggling for approval from the father. The father obviously liked Esau better because Esau, the scripture tells us, was a hairy man, right? Was a macho man. But Jacob was a nice, clean, shaven, shaven man. Not, not, uh, not, uh, not the favorite of the father, but mommy's boy. Right? So, he was struggling all through his life for significance. He was struggling all through his life. Even when he was, uh, you know, when he finally got, got the, uh, the birthright, the elder son birthright from Esau, he needed to run away from his elder brother because the elder brother said, wait, wait, wait till I lay my hands on him. He is finished, man. I you know, whether his brother or no brother, huh? that's another, that's another issue. So he, he ran away from home. He went to his uncle's house, struggled some more, right? Want to marry the love of his life? Got another one. So he had to work extra, 
So he struggled all through his life. He struggled to get his, uh, his uh, just wages. Work also cannot get properly paid. Huh? Struggle. Does this sound familiar? So he was struggling throughout. When he finally got his share, he was taking his whole family not to start a new life. Then he heard news. Your elder brother, Esau, remember the one whom you stole, you know, whom you cheated him, swindled him of his birthright? He's coming to meet you with 400 men. I came by Taiwan. 400 men. How can he be friendly? Huh? A brother whom he has, has been, uh, he left home in a very, very uh, bad kind of uh, a relationship, coming to meet him uh, with 400 men. So he decided to scheme again. Genesis 32, verse 1 to 3. So Jacob went on his way. Let's read together. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. Now, God is so good. When he was, now, this time dialogue, this time dialogue. He was running away from his father-in-law, Laban. He was meeting, which also not very friendly, but already, already settled. He couldn't go back. He couldn't turn back. So he was meeting his brother with his whole family. And yet, the scripture tells us that when he was on his way, the angels, is it one or more than one? Angels, more than one. Angels of God met him. But God was assuring him the angel of God came and said that you are not alone. You got, the, you, got, you, got, you got some entourage, you got some bodyguards. But that said, but they didn't bring any peace to his heart. Let's, let's go, on, go on reading. Huh? Genesis chapter 32, verse 19 to verse 21. Let's read together. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the droves, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face, perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged the night in the camp. Even with the angels that appeared to him, it did not bring any peace to his heart. He still schemed. He tried to bribe his brother now. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine that this guy is still struggling up to this point? He had almost everything. He has, a, he has a huge family, he has a lot of wealth, but he was still struggling. You see, when, when in life, when we, become, when we are struggling, it doesn't matter how much you have. Some of us feel that if, you're a million, if I'm a millionaire, I used to think like that. If I'm a millionaire, I'm no more struggle. But today, I'm, I'm so glad because God is saying that one million in 2021, in 2022, is not enough. Isn't it so? It's not enough. You're too small. You're looking too small. And, and some people feel that, you know, that when you have achieved the tremendous, whatever amount of wealth that you think that you are comfortable with, maybe 30 million, maybe 100 million, whatever amount it is, that you feel that it is like comfortable, give you some sense of security when you arrive there. Like Jacob, 
He has still no peace. He still had no peace. He was still struggling. Also, some must feel that if I were to get an education, if I go to university, the best university in the world, and I, and I get it, man, I, 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 I arrive and I come out first class honours. Wow, I've arrived. That's it. I tell you, the unless and until, you and I find rest, true rest, even though we have the best education, the best job in the market, in our profession, whatever it is, there's still be struggle. I'm not talking about hard work. Everybody needs to work hard, right? Everything that we do, we need to work hard. But I'm talking about struggle. Like Jacob. He, this is a rich man. This is a man of good, you no know, wives, ch- children, all that. Because servants are more. This servant can fight on. These servants are not just like, you know, the, the gaga and abang. You know, they, they, they can fight. What more can you ask for? He was struggling. He was scheming. He tried to get it done. So it, it took more than, it, it obviously need more than just an encounter with the angels of God to bring about that overcoming experience to the life of Jacob. You know, sometimes even in our Christian life, we're still struggling. I'm not talking about that there will be no struggle. I'm talking about the kind of struggle later we're going to look at it, the kind of struggle that we cannot overcome. Are you in that kind of struggle? I am in some areas of my life. But what do we do? Do we, do we look for a manifestation of the, of the angels of God in our life? If tonight an angels or angels and too much of angels of God appear in your bedroom. Oh yeah, I hope that it will not be an angels. Maybe the heart cannot take it. Just one enough, just one. If you need an and 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 just one come first and then the rest they will come. Huh? Give me uh, let, let me be prepared. The angels of God appear. Is it is it enough? No, it's not enough. Some people are looking for for the, the, the angels of God, they're looking for a, a spiritual manifestation in their lives. See vision. You know, in you know, I, I've seen angels. Okay, there's, there's, a, there's another story. But I tell you that, just like Jacob, when he had, had encountered with the angel of God, it was not enough huh, to cause him to be an overcomer. You understand what I'm saying? He was still doing his own way, trying to appease his brother. Genesis chapter 32, let's read on. From 22 to 32. Let's go on. I've got a bit of material for us to cover this, uh, this morning. Let's read. And he arose the night and took his two wives, his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed over the fort of Jabok. He took them, sent them over to the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name should no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. 
Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Paniah, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. And therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that strung, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that strung. So that night he was alone. He sent his uh, uh, wives his, all that over, uh, across the river, and then the angel of God, God himself, appeared. When the Bible talks about the angel of God in a singular form, it always represents the presence of God. God himself came. And he struggled with God, huh? the angel of God. The angel of God could not overcome him. Isn't he wonderful? So sometimes we ask this question, why is this so? A lot of version given. Huh? But I want to suggest to us that this morning, and uh, just very quickly, going, uh, going right to the point, because Jacob had a covenantal relationship with God. God will not harm us. He will not have something in our lives that is so overwhelmingly defeating that will defeat us, that will harm us, that will bring damage to our lives. We've got to understand there, is two phrase, there are two phrases in the scriptures that use as describing difficulties and uh, challenges in life. One is testing, one is temptation or testing, or trial. When God tests, it is always to strengthen. He has something behind to hold us. God testing comes never intend to destroy us, is it? When God's testing comes, it is never intend to destroy us. But the devil brings trials. That he means to destroy us. So not every challenge is, is, it has to be the will of God. No. God said to Israel, I tested you 40 years in the desert so that you would trust in me. What, how did he test him? How did he test them? Did, did, did God say, I tested you? See whether in your hunger you would trust me or not. But God never for one day in the life of the Israel uh, for the, the life of uh, the, his people Israel in the desert, caused them to face the danger of hunger because he, he gave them manna, manna every day. Manna every day. No water, water come out from rock. He doesn't need to bring a river. Water just come out from rock. And God in his word says that I have tested you. Wow, this is a very good testing. Oh. God tested you. You trust me or not? Today you get man, uh, mana, you don't have a fridge to store it. It will go bad if you don't leave it until tomorrow. Can you trust it tomorrow or not? Can. Trust, receive. Trust, receive. Trust, receive. That's testing. What about trial? What about temptation? See, Jesus, how he was tempted. There was no, there was no, you know, there was no backup plans. There was nobody there to back him up. The devil said, nah, this is, this is your trouble. You solve it, lah. Therefore, in the scriptures, we need to di uh, distinguish these two things. There is the testing, there is the trial and temptation. The testing 
in testing, we trust God to provide. In try and temptation, we overcome. Hallelujah. We overcome. We don't let try and temptation overcome us. Run all over us. No. In testing, we say, God, we surrender to you. We trust in you. But Christians sometimes get very confused. Or rather mix them up and group them as one. In every difficulties, you just tahan, you just, you, just, you just trust God. Just tahan only. Maybe this year don't come next. Ten years or so, even the end of your life, you don't come, so never mind. You're going to heaven anyway. Is that our attitude? That is not what it meant to be. The church is meant to be a place where we manifest the faithfulness of God in, in, in real terms. Uh. The power of God in real terms. Not just a, a philosophical understanding of religion. Not just, uh, not just an intellectual concept of what God's power is. We can learn about it from so many books, so many YouTube. Those of us who are coming on YouTube. So, so many YouTube teaching and all that about the power of God. But it's our life, it's your life demonstrating, exhibiting the power of God in real terms. Then people look at your life and my life. Wow! Your God is powerful. Your God is able to do all things impossible. Hallelujah. So, he, he wrestled big and in it, God, God is in was this passage just simply tells us when, when we wrestle with God, because we have a covenantal relationship with God, when we wrestle with God, God will never harm us. Jacob must have been so persistent, so powerfully trying grabbing on to God, wrestle, wrestling with God. That there's only one way to defeat him. Remember, he was wrestling with God. Oh. There's only one way to defeat him, that is to injure him, to injure him, to immobilize him. But God would not do that. You know why? Because that's what the covenant is all about. We talk about it so often since last year. That's what the covenant is all about. The covenant said, God, I will not harm you because I have a covenant with you. I will not harm you. I will not destroy you. That's why this passage doesn't mean that uh, 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 Jacob is more powerful than God. This passage tells us that God is faithful to His covenant. The very fact that the passage recorded for us that He touched His hip only uh, dislocated. Uh, the, just touched like that, dislocated. But struggling the whole night didn't do anything to Jacob. How does it make sense? Because God said, I'm in a covenant with you. This is one of the, one of the those of us who have gone through you know, marriage course, you know one of the things in the covenant said, I will not harm you. I will not destroy you. I will not attack you. That is what the covenanted partners say to one another. And therefore, he prevailed. Jacob prevailed. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I'm desperate for you. Did you not know that he was God? Yes. Therefore, he desperately held on to God. 
and said, I will not let you go. Hallelujah. Then Jacob, then, then uh, he asked, what is your name? Then Jacob answered to his questions. Maybe sheepishly, huh? Because he knew exactly what his name is. He said, Jacob, what is your name? I'm a supplanter. I'm a sonlu gui. I'm a swindler. I'm a cheater. I'm a struggler. And the angels say, Your name should no longer be called swindler. Your name should no longer be called supplanter. Your name should no longer be called struggler. Your name will no longer be called tricksters. But Israel, Prince with God. Prince with God. The word struggle here is not just to, to, to in, a, in a negative sense, but persevere. Do not let go. Hold on to God. And he called that place Paniah because he got, saw God face to face. My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, after that experience came, a, 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 you know, a, 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 it just like a miraculous encounter, reunion of two brothers. Esau said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm very powerful now. In fact, later on, you read, if you have time to go, go back home and then read the rest of Genesis chapter uh, uh, from, from 32 onwards right up to 38. You see that, that the, 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 the children of Esau was, was named what? They were chieftains. Huh? At that point of time, how many children did Jacob have? Only 11. Esau's children, they were princes, they were chieftains in the land of Edom. Wow. Esau said, no, no, no worry. I'm not here to harm you. I'm here to want to protect you. After you have, you have your two wives, 11 children, oh, I'm going to protect you. It was, a, it was a turnaround. It took an encounter with God face to face. More than just miracle, more than just seeing and the entourage of angels, but it took a personal encounter with God. Entering into the promised land and possessing the promised land was what follows. In Genesis chapter 33, verse 18 to verse 20. Let's read it together. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Sikkim, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from Padan Baram, and he pitched his tent before the city, and he bought the parcel or land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamel, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El Elohi Israel. After that, he entered into the land. He, just, he, not, he did not only just enter into his promised land, he possessed it. How did he possess it? He paid variable consideration for the piece of land. Now he is a legal landowner with title in the promised land. That was what his uh, grandfather did, Abraham. 
when he, when he buried his grandmother, uh, Jacob's grand grandmother, he bought a piece of land. He paid with money. Why did he do that? He pays money because he's taking ownership, taking possession of the promised land. My dear friends, the whole incident, just short few verses, just tell us that Jacob not just entered into the promised land, he took possession of it. Now nobody can chase him out. He paid, he paid for it. He paid for that piece of land. My dear friends, how do we lay hold of God's promises? How do we overcome among, amidst challenges in life? How do we enter into God's promised land and begin to lay hold and possess of it? Number one, seek God's face and His presence. Not just miracles, manifestation of God's glory, but seek His face, seek His presence, seek to listen to His voice. Spend time seeking God, not just mechanically, religiously, dutifully read through our Bible. Not just put a timer there on our, on our, on our desk today, 10 minutes reading the Bible, 5 minutes prayer. Now, go. 15 minutes up, the, the alarm clock went, okay, done. I've done my devotion. Hallelujah. I'm a good Christian. God loves me and I love Him. See you tomorrow morning, God. No, it's not like that. But to seek His face, to long for, long for His presence. Jacob, turning point was that when he saw God face to face. That was his turning point. Did he not know that he was, he was blessed? Yeah, he knew he was blessed. Did he not at the, at, the, at the place called Bethel, the first time he saw angel, heaven opened, angels as a descending and ascending. Wow, he said, this must be the gate to heaven. He saw miraculous vision, not just vision, he saw what is happening in the spiritual realm around his life. He saw angels more than once, not just one or two, but the whole entourage of angels. Did he turn his life around? so that he would become the overcomer and not just the manager of his struggles. No. It was when the encounter, when the encounter came to him, he got a new name. He got a new identity. He got a God-given identity. No longer he was called Jacob, but he was called Israel, one who persevered with God. Number two, Wrestle in prayers. My dear friends, wrestle in prayers. What I, it simply means that we need to exhibit godly desperation. Jacob was hugely desperate. He couldn't turn back to his, go back to his father-in-law's house. His brother, whom he, his, his, uh, his estranged brother, you know, his brother was not in a good relationship with him. He's coming to meet him with 400 men. Wow. He had no, he had no, he had 11 children. He had other children as well. But he had, you know, the scripture tells us 11. Young, young, young children. What do we do? What do I do? What do you do? It was desperate. It was what I call godly desperation or holy desperation. 
You know, desperation drives us to do crazy things, right? People in desperation, they will bend the, the moral standard. People who are desperate, they will, they will compromise on godliness, on their values. But godly desperation propels us to run towards God. Ungodly desperation causes us to abandon God, to reject God, His values, His standards. Just drop it. Wrestle in prayers. When we know that these are trials, these are temptation, do not stop wrestling in prayer. My question to you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are online, those who are here in the sanctuary, are you desperate? Are you desperate men and women? Desperate boys and girls, are you desperate? How have your desperation driven you? Not all desperation drives us. It drives us to become more gasu. It drives us to become more resigned to the fact that nothing can be done. I just accept it. It drives people into depression. It drives people into fear. It drives people into aggression. It drives people to be, to be driven. That's why I call it drives, right? To be driven. It drives people to be angry. It drives people. But holy desperation drives us to God. And we hold on to God. And we say like what Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Until you bless me. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 6 to 8, uh, do we have that? Yeah, we have that. Let's, let's read together. Abram passed through the land to the place of Sikkim, as far as Terebin tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were there in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord, who have appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his hand with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. These are the two first landing spots of Abraham when he landed in the land of Canaan, the promised land. He landed in Sikkim. Where did Jacob go? In Genesis 30, 30, 33, verse 18. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Sikkim. What did he do there? He erected an altar there and called it El Elohi, Israel. It was a Sikkim, the first place when Abraham arrived. Abraham built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. This is how we don't have time for, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, from time to time that you come to a um, uh, 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 power station, you have, uh, you have a lot more on, on that already. So, it was how God, how, how God, it was a strategy that God had for God's people to lay hold of their promised land, to erect, to build up altar, spiritual altar, altar of worship, altar of prayer, altar that remind us of God's covenant with us. Abraham built that altar in Sikkim. His grandson, before he took possession, before he actually entered into his promised land, went to Sikkim, he built, he erected an altar there. 
then call on the name of the Lord. Then call it El Elohi, Israel. It was an altar. And what about Bethel? The second place where Abraham erected the, uh, the, uh, the altar in Bethel, it was the place where Jacob saw heaven open, angels descending and ascending. And it was his first encounter with the Lord. When the first encounter where God spoke to him, renewing his promises to his grandfather, to his father and to him. Altar, God remembers altars of sacrifices of worship and prayer. Step up and take ownership of God's promises as Jacob did. But he, he did it through an altar. He reminded God, this is, this is my hope. This is my strength. This is my confidence. I am only, a, I am only one man with 11 children at that point of time. I am, I am, I am, so, I am so powerless. But I lean, I come to you, I lean on your promises. I come to call on your name. My dear friends, the church where we are, God's church, wherever churches are planted, those are places when God's people come together and have a regular time of lifting up worship and prayers unto the Lord. It fits, it comes in the, you know, we come together and celebrate the Holy Communion. Thus, the covenant that we have with God through the blood of Jesus, there is sacrifice, there is covenant, there is worship, there is promises. We read the Word of God. These are the promises of God, both Old and New Testament, both Old and New Covenant. These are covenantal words. Every time we gather together on, in, this, in this place, at the fixed time, we had an appointment with God. That appointment with God, over and over again on the fixed time, that fulfills the spiritual requirement of an altar. God is still wanting to bless us when we come to this spiritual altar and say that God, in you I trust because this is the place where power is well. This is the place where overcoming power is welded. You know, when we pray at home, when we come together to pray on the, on the Tuesday power session, it is different. I want to tell you this. Last, last Tuesday, we prayed for people who have cancer, right? Brother Simon, the very next day, uh, he, uh, it was like the next day, right? He went to go and to do a test and he found out that the, you know, the cancer cell has shrunk to half his size. He didn't even need to go through chemo anymore. No, he went not anymore. Didn't even need to go through chemo or radiotherapy. Wow. What happened? Everybody pray. But when our prayer is connected to the spiritual altar of the church, there is power because God recognizes altars. God honors those altars. 
it was not a coincidence that Jacob went back to Bethel, that Jacob went back to Sikkim. Something in the spiritual realm is a, was attracting Jacob. This is the place. I'm not too sure. I'm quite sure in Sikkim, he wasn't, he wasn't worshipping, making sacrifice on the altar of his grandfather. Because the scripture tells us that he erected a new one called El Elohi, Israel. It was a new one. Why is that there is such an attraction? Because there was a spiritual altar that was being erected there. My dear friends, we are launching, there is many countries launching a seven days of contending for 2022. A seven days of prayer and fasting. Starting from the 26th of December to the 1st of January. These are the seven focuses that we are looking at. We will, we will send them out, the prayer points, and the prayer focus on each day. The first day, that is on the 26th of December, which is a Sunday, uh, we will begin by understanding the gate, determining the gate of 2022 and enter into it. What kind of gate are we looking at? How do we, how, what does it mean by gate of 2022? Isn't it 2022 only one gate? No, you and I can determine what gate is it. You and I can determine which gate are we going, are we going into. In my university in Penang, we have always the main gate and side gate. We always love to go through the side gate because it's less security, you see. We beat the curfew time, no, nobody will catch you. We always go through the side gate. But there's two gates to enter into the same place. There are, there are different gates in which that we, can, we can enter into 2022. We will look at scriptures and understand what it means by gate. Number two, unloading, entering through the eye of a needle. You need to be very lean and, lean and, lean and slim uh, to go through the eye of a needle. Okay? If you are a camel, you cannot. <laughs> so unlock yourself so that you will become slim. You are not a camel. Right? Number three, breaking free from the identity that the devil has cursed us with. Jacob has a name, but his name was changed. It was more than just a name change. It was an identity given. Number four, breaking altars that alter our destiny. There are altars in our life, in our bloodline, that is, that is, that is dictating to our destiny. Number five, contending the, for the next generation. Do not just say, I know I heard that so many times, huh? The, the older, older generation of uh, God's servants say that, oh, yo, we want to, we, we, we look at the young, the young people, the young one, uh, it's your time to rise up. Uh, I better hand, hand the baton to you. Uh. Hey, I tell these people, because before that I was those who asked, who would say that, oh, you must rise up. Now, I'm in a generation, that in my generation, the people, my generation people are saying to the younger one, you must rise up, you must rise up, uh. you must take up our responsibility, uh. you must be, you know, that, that, that. I said, you don't tell the young people to rise up. Where have we and I been? If we have made a mess out of our own life, we have not shown the example of an overcomer. Now we leave the battle to the young ones. That's how it sounds like. I said, come on. How old are you? You're 60? You're 70s? Even 92 years so can become prime minister. What's your excuse? 
don't leave the baton to the next generation if you and I have not contended for them. This is not what it meant to be. Content. Content for the next generation. Because what they are faced with in the world today and tomorrow, 2020 and beyond, is tremendously challenging. Tremendously challenging. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, content for the next generation. Dear friends, number seven, number six, contending for the fruitfulness. Fruitfulness, the devil will come and cry and steal. Content for it. You know, you have mango on the bank, on mango trees. I see some mango trees. Uh, they all mangoes are wrapped up. Why? Are not the trees fruitful? The trees are fruitful. But why do you wrap up the mango? Why? So your, your tree looks like a Christmas tree, is eh? To protect the fruit. To protect the fruitfulness. You contend with the, you know, with the with the with the with the uh, uh, with the birds, with the squirrels, and all that. And I, I mean, uh, the first uh, there was uh, the I mean, no, not not the first time, yeah, first time. First time I was in the to uh, I was in uh, Sugula. I met this very stout short ketua kampung. I said, oh, yo, how's how's your crops? My crop is very good. He said. He became Christian. The whole family became Christians. Really trusted the Lord. You know, no church, but every Sunday, just in the house, we have a service. So. So he said that, uh, I, I, so he comes back, he comes back very late in the, in the, in the afternoon. I said, why you come back so late in the afternoon? I thought everybody has finished their work. Most farmers finish their work by noontime. They go out very early, before sun rises, they, they go out. But this, this, this Kota Kampong came back. He said, because uh, our groups, uh, our jagung, uh, our, our, our corns are always uh, stolen by, by monkeys. Uh. I said, got monkey? Oh, you're thinking, very tall. The monkey stand up is right here. So when he comes, the monkey comes, oh, your side flying kick there. <laughs> so my dear friends, your fruitfulness and my fruitfulness, the fruitfulness of the next generation, the monkey is going to come. Are you going to say that, Lord, save me. Look at the monkey. Look at the monkey. Oh, Lord, save me. Save my crop. Save my crop. You flying kick the monkey. That is what it means of contending for fruitfulness, okay? Not that you need to work very hard in order to be fruitful. God has blessed us with fruitfulness. The enemy come and steal, kill, and destroy. Be content for that. Amen? Number seven, entering into a year of manifestation of God's power. That is on, uh, uh, on, 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 the, on, the, on the 1st of January, right? 1st of January. So these are the seven days of contending. I want to suggest to us that... Uh, okay, seven days of fasting and prayers... On the 27th of December, from 27th of December to 1st January 2022, we are having sunset prayers in the church here from 6 to 7 p.m. Right? Of course, we will also broadcast it for those. I, 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 I understand that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are not in KK, they also express their, you know, they heard, they heard wind about this and they say, I, I, want to, I want to be part of it. So we also broadcast it online as well. But I want to encourage us, those of us in KK, 6 to 7 p.m., it is just after work, before dinner, if we decide to take dinner, you know, 6 to 7 o'clock in the sanctuary. So we, together, we, every day, we pray for that one aspect, right? 
fasting. I suggest to us that uh, you've never fasted before, and I feel that it may not be easy after Christmas Eve dinner, after Christmas Day <laughs> makan. <laughs> On 26th of December, you suddenly stop eating. Uh, it's going to be very, it's going to be a shock to your system. Okay? So unless you want to go on the full fast, a water fast, uh, uh, get, give yourself two, three days for preparation. Eat vegetable, eat light from 23rd onwards. Difficult, huh? Uh, also, you saw Tongwa, you saw Tongwa, huh? Uh, the Chinese Winter Festival. Okay? And uh, after that, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. So I suggested to us that, you know, the, the whole purpose of fasting is to show, number one, our desperation. Are you desperate? Number two is that we will have more time to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, to pray, okay? Intermittent fasting, so some of us know what is in, in, uh, intermittent fasting. Uh, generally, you, you, eat, you, you don't eat for 16 hours in a day. You eat only eight hours continuously, uh, continuously, okay? You just say, okay, uh, breakfast one hour, lunch one hour, <laughs> Dinner one hour, tea break another hour, two, two tea breaks, one supper, six hours only. Ma. <laughs> Not like that, okay? <laughs> it doesn't count like that. 16 hours without food, eight hours, that within eight hours you eat. After the eight hours, you, langsung, you don't eat anymore. You drink water. Okay, intermittent fasting uh, is also good for health, but of course we are not doing it for our physical health, we are doing it for our spiritual health, right? So if you want to do that, you can do that. Uh, during the eight hours, you can eat whatever you want to eat, okay? But I suggest that cut down on sugar, otherwise the 16 hours is going to be very, very sinku. Uh, 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 it's going to be very difficult. Okay, the other one is on fruits, vegetables, and or yogurt or milk, okay? Uh, so you look at it, fruits means that you can eat readily what is fruits that is available, Vegetables, uh, raw one, uh, yogurt, milk. Uh. When somebody read this, uh, oh, your fruits, uh, today I'm going to have half a, half a watermelon for dinner. Not like that, okay? <laughs> or, or go on to have the, the whole sikat of banana for lunch. No, still fruit, ma. I say, Kenan, come on, come on, still fruit, ma. You're not like that, huh? <laughs> so, <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Uh, don't try to make nice salad. You spend one hour making a nice salad. The whole point is eating vegetables is that you have more time to pray. Now you spend one whole hour to dress up the salad. Uh, you know, the, uh, the whole purpose is, is, is different. Uh. So uh, yogurt and milk is for those who have a bit of a gastric experience uh, and, 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 uh, and, and all that. Of course, yogurt, you don't, you don't every, every meal, you eat one liter of yogurt. Uh. Or, uh, or, or one whole bottle of milk, or one whole. No, it's, it's, it's just that sufficient to sustain us, uh, take a little time to, to prepare for food. That is not the most important thing in our lives anymore. A lot of the time, uh, that is the most important thing in our life, isn't it? Uh, you get up, you get ready for breakfast. Then you work ready, you, you look at your, your watch. Yim cha, yim cha. Tea time, tea time. Then you call this fellow, hey! Oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'll meet you in uh, Damai. Wow, tea, tea. After tea, go come back already. You work for one hour. Hey, lunch, lunch, lunch. We, we, we all work around food, isn't it? Huh? 
Well, our time schedule is actually around food only. So leave that, leave that because spend time seeking the Lord's face. Remember, seeking the Lord's face, wrestling in prayer and, and recounting, writing down God's promises for your life. He said, in 2022, I'm going to go into this. I'm going to possess this, man. Right? He and I coming together. Liquid fast is, of course, if you like to do that, just on juice and water, everything liquid. Again, don't drink half a gallon every time. So, we, we come together. You know, prayers are all, you say prayers are all the time, it's, it's the same. Uh, but I tell you, when we all decided to do together in the seven days, we are, we are engaging, we are connecting to the prayer altar of Desert Stream Anglican Church. That is something, that is the power that's going to be released. Right? And, uh, you know, when, let me say, just to say, say, on Tuesday, especially on Tuesday, when we pray, every time we pray, we find that there's so many people who are struggling with so many issues. But never-ending one. One of the things is that, let me honestly say this. I, I see there are some, there are, you know, there are in, in, in not just these few months, uh, for quite some time, cancer is one of the big threats to the people of this land. Not just somebody being recorded, uh, being uh, reported with a cancer somewhere, but somebody we know among our church members, our Chinese congregation, now our English congregation also. How can it be? I said, when is it going to stop, Lord? I say. Then the Lord was telling me for, for quite some time, wrestle. That those who are, who are in, 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 you know, in, in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, in spiritual and, and emotional bondage, taking psychopathic drugs, some of them as young as 11, 12 years old, my goodness, God, we can cry to God, God, where are you? God said, I'm here. Come to the place of power, the place of my promise. Come to the spiritual altar. Because, you know, when, when, when we, you know, when we, you know, when we know somebody who is struggling with that, that kind of issue, you know, it really, it really, it really troubles me. Are we doing anything for any one of them? Our traditional, conventional approach is that pray, find the most anointed preacher somewhere in the world. Now pandemic cannot come. Huh? So what do we do? We find an anointed servant so that the servant can come and lay hands on the person and be healed. I tell you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are online as well, that is not what God has intended. God intended for the church to manifest His power. Not just for one or two servants of God. You know, why did God do that? Loving one or two very anointed preacher, healing uh, evangelists and come. Because the church is not doing it. It is God's grace. Last week I shared in, my ch in the Chinese service that God's grace is a stepping stone. That is not where we are meant to dwell. God's grace must not, you know, God's grace is providing anointed preachers here and there through the history of the church so that men and women of God can experience the, the manifestation of God's power and God's healing power.
power in their lives. It is grace. It is not meant to stop there. We are meant to be the people of power. The people of power means how many of us here? Roughly about 40, 35? You are, plus those who are online, maybe 60, 70. We are the people of power. How do we tap into this power? Don't look for anointed preacher. Look to the spiritual altar of God. But you tap into that power. The Lord is waiting for us to come to Him in holy desperation. I will not let you go, Lord, until you bless me. Let us wrestle for our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. If they wrestle on their own, they are very lonely. Only parents are praying for their own children very lonely. If the church is praying for the next generation, there is a power released. Amen. Are you a manager or an overcomer? <laughs> Angels proclaim the birth of the Savior of the world. We need to come to Him and lay hold of the blessing of salvation. The principle is still the same. Christmas carols are sung everywhere. Now online YouTube, I enjoy <laughs> listening to new songs coming up on YouTube from, from anybody who would like to celebrate Christmas. And you know, just by hearing, receiving, proclaiming the news of the birth of the Savior of the world does not, does not guarantee us to experience the blessing of salvation unless we come to Jesus and we lay hold of Him. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Yet in all these things, in all the challenges, in all the difficulties, in all the struggles, we are more than conquerors. My dear friends, we want to be overcomer, but God has destined for us to be more than overcomer. Wow! What does it mean to be more than overcomer? That means you have extra to give to somebody else. You have extra to give to somebody else. Through Him who loves us, we are more than overcomers. Who are we? We are the possessors of God's promised land. We are possessor of God's promised land. We are not just overcoming, you know, overcoming a tr trouble here and there. We are possessor. Like Jacob, like Abraham, like Isaac, they possess the promised land. So I want to invite us, join our hearts together as, as the church in these seven days. Uh, fasting is, is, is your choice, right? Fasting is your choice. By prayer, let's join together. But I do hope that we will we will, we will, we will, we will uh, demonstrate, we will, we will show, express, uh, we will express our desperate need of God in fasting. Let us pray. My dear friends, we are coming not to a God who is not able. We are coming to a God who is able. Jacob knew it, Isaac knew it, Abraham knew it,
but yet still in their coming to believe and trust in this God, their faith was greatly challenged. They were in desperation more than once. They were in Egypt. They were in the land of the Philistine. They were desperate. They made wrong choices. But ultimately, our God who is faithful, who is able, gave them, extend grace to them, gave them over and over opportunities after opportunities so that they may enter into the promised land and process it. 